Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of If We Can Just Say. I am your host, Jessica Carter Ogle, and with me, as always, is the cackling hyena over there, my husband and co-host, Stephen Ogle. <laughs> I'm coming to you from the past to talk about the future <laughs> for an episode that feels out of sync with time, and I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Yes, uh, we're recording early, and I literally uh, just recorded yesterday. <laughs> yep, yeah, we're recording a week early because you're going to be gone next weekend. Yes, and I didn't think that uh, doing a solo podcast would be what the people would probably want. No, I am the star of the show, so oh, I can understand that. No further clear, clarifying that. So, uh, yeah, so so why are we recording early? Yes, so this episode is airing on what January. Uh, Pull up my thirty uh, first thirtieth. January thirtieth. Yes. Yes. So that will be the day I fly back from Florida. Yeah. So we all know I don't like Florida. It's a cesspool of our nation. But I have family there. <laughs> and <laughs> um my cousin is going to visit her mom there. And me and my mom, my aunt's sister, are tagging along as a surprise. So no one knows that we are going. Yep. And even just saying that right now, I feel like I've just ruined the whole surprise, knowing that this episode doesn't even air until the day that we are traveling home from Florida. I feel like I've just ruined everything. Yeah. So <laughs> very weird. I don't even know what's happening. But yeah. Whoa. Not me, folks. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I will be in Florida this coming weekend and we're just kind of doing an early record. Probably gonna be a little shorter episode. We've got some music for you. We've got a bunch of movies that we've watched that we're going to catch you up on and give our reviews on and, and just kind of go from there. And we have a little bit of news that actually happened today on the 23rd. Oh. You guys are getting this on the 30th, but we have some quick news. Uh, by the time you guys get this, this news will be a week old, unfortunately. Um, so it's probably super relevant that we give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the WWE and Netflix are about to change the game. And that is that Netflix has paid $5 billion for 10 years to have Monday Night Raw starting in January of 2025. So all of a sudden Netflix is going to have live programming? I'm, I guess they're working towards it. So basically to play off of our previous conversation... What I should have said is now every streaming service is just becoming its own cable provider. In a way, yeah. Yep. So I almost just swore. I literally <laughs> just bit my tongue. Yeah. Yep. So uh, the the company that is now uh, the the company that took over for them uh, or purchased, I should say, WWE uh, Endeavor, they labeled the company that is UFC and WWE, they labeled them T TKO. So uh, part of today's announcements was the Netflix announcement. Also, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, not only did TKO give him uh, his name, The Rock, to use how he sees fit, but also they put him on the board of directors, which is a huge move for that company. He has a, I mean, WWE has a global presence, yes, but The Rock has a global presence in wrestling and at the box office. So I feel like this is a huge move for all, them as a company. All I'm thinking is, hello, commercials on Netflix. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's coming. I mean, it's already there on the smaller tiers. I think there is ads if you have a smaller tier. I hate everything. Everything is terrible. I'm, but this is perfect. I'm using my Moira Rose mug. What does it say? Says the world is falling apart around us, and I'm dying inside. <laughs> Moira, you nailed it. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so that's the small bit of news. Unfortunately, we can't talk about the Lions. We'll say go Lions, but we don't know the score or who won the game because we have no idea. Yeah, when this because airs, we're recording before the Lions played. The San Lions Francisco. have either lost or won, but I think either way. Good job, guys. Hell of a season. <laughs> way, to, way to go, Lions. Yes. Also, uh, as we mentioned on the previous podcast, coming up the Saturday before the Lions is the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And quick predictions. Who do we think won the men's Royal Rumble? Cody Rhodes. I'm picking Cody Rhodes. Who do we think wins the women's Royal Rumble? Keep in mind, Rhea Ripley and EO Sky are not in it. Well, then I guess my answer, Rhea Ripley, isn't going to help now, is it? Steven. No, she won last year, and she has the title now. I don't know who the heck's in it. Um, shoot, man. I don't even watch the stuff anymore. I don't know what's up. I'm going to go with <laughs> Bianca Belair. All right. She's going with Bianca, and I'm going with Bailey. Oh, I like that one. See? Yep. Yep. Whatever, man. Yep. So uh, that's our prediction. I feel like this podcast episode is all over the place. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm <laughs> in the twilight zone. I don't know what day it is. I don't know when it is. <sighs> Good times. All right. So you want me to get into the album anniversary? Please. Cool. <laughs> Please. So uh, the fun thing about this album anniversaries is that last year during this time, we were sick. And we didn't do a podcast. So the album anniversaries that we have for this week are all new ones. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> Yay, COVID. Yay. <laughs> we were having our second round. Yeah. Oh, boy. Boy, was that a good one or what? Um, or what? So, uh, 1994, 30 years old, Green Day Dookie. Hell of an album. And you apparently just found out they were touring and playing that album. You yeah. No, I didn't even look into it because there's no way I'm going to pay for those concert tickets. And they're probably pay- playing at like one of the big oh, venues that I won't go to. They're playing. They're playing at Pine Knob. Yeah, they're playing at Pine Knob. And a hush just fell over no, the podcast. No, they're not playing at Pine Knob. Oh. That was a joke. They're playing at Ford. Field. Oh my golly! I literally was like, <laughs> record scratch. No. What? No, they're playing at Ford Field. I was about to pick up my phone during the podcast and look it up. <laughs> yeah, I already looked. Tickets are $100 a piece Oh, for us to get in to be at up in the nosebleeds. Wait, where are they playing again? Ford Field? Ford Field. No, yeah. I'm going to pass on that. I refuse to go to Ford Field. I refuse to go to Little Caesars Arena. Um, I think those are just the two. I won't see shows at. And Comerica I- Park. It, it, you you yeah. got to pay too much to be on the ground. Because I'm 41 and my money's too important to me. And I will pass on the whole endeavor. Yep. So, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, their tickets are too expensive. I did see that some 41 is touring again, though, and their tickets aren't that expensive. And last time was their last tour. They touted. Yeah, but... Because Jared and Catherine went, and didn't they say, like, oh, this is their last... No, it's a, it was the last tour with all original members that came back. Oh. One, of the, one or two of the members aren't touring with them anymore. I'm not sure if that's anything I need to like notch on my bedpost. I'm I mean, all set. they're touring for a new album, so then definitely no. Who I don't knows? know what those guys are up to. It's like I always say: once I stop listening to somebody, I assume that they're done, and then you have to tell me, "No, they're still making music." And I'm like, "Cause I really, what for? Who's still listening to that?" Um, so that's not really for me. Going with that vein, 54 
year anniversary, Harvest by Neil Young. Excellent. Yes. Neil Young. Hell of a singer-songwriter, man. Yes. He just... Absolutely. The vi- like, I instantly just had a vibe of Neil Young sitting over here. I was just like, oh. My favorite Neil Young song of all time is on this album, Old Man. Yeah. yeah well, I love it. It's so great. That is apropos for you, my friend. It is absolutely fantastic. And I can't remember who it was, but last year, somebody did a cover of Old Man, and they did it on acoustic guitar and i want to say it was somebody like are you looking it up i'm just gonna try yeah I, I for some reason i feel like it was like either I, I got green day in my head so i it was either like billy joe or i can't remember who it was but somebody did a cover of old man it on was a, last year i feel like it was last year maybe the year before but it was just acoustic guitar and it was a it was a you know, an artist that was like my age doing Neil Young. So a hundred. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, but yeah, they did Old Man. And I can't I can't think of it who it is off the top like, of my head. Like, is it a popular person that I would know? I thought so. Did you just Google, like, cover of Old Man, Neil Young? I don't know Young? any of these people's names. Who 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 are you seeing? Corey Hovell, Colin McLeod, Chris Cavill. I mean, never heard of Beck. Well, Beck, I know. But Beck, that a, that's who did it. Is it Beck? That yeah. was a couple years ago. Yep, Beck did it. Okay. Great cover. Great cover. Beck, I heard it I and know, I was like, obviously. I heard it and immediately knew who it was. I was like, oh my gosh, he's doing Neil Young. Okay. This is cool. Yeah, so Beck, yeah, he did a great cover. That was Looked in 22. Yeah. So I guess in I said the two, yeah. of the, I thought you said a year ago, but I guess granted it's just barely 24. Yeah, I said year, maybe two, but yeah, it it, it, gotcha. it, it works. Cool, so, we found it. But yeah, look it up, man. It's uh, it's a good song. Um, So lo- way back in the day, the Beatles did the White Album, mm-hmm. and we talked about in November Jay-Z doing the Black Album. Mm-hmm. Now, the same, I don't know, couple months after Jay-Z did uh, the Black Album, because mm-hmm. he did it in November of 03, in February of 04, a DJ by the name of DJ Danger Mouse took the White Album from the Beatles and took the vocals from the Black Album from Jay-Z and mashed it up to make the Gray Album. I remember you talking. I've, I've never fully listened to this. Bits and pieces. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. I like it a lot. It's not for sale anywhere. You're going to probably have to find it on YouTube in order to listen to it. Um May found it on, you may find like, it on something Was like, it ever on sale? No. Okay, then that's why I've, I've only listened to bits and yeah. pieces that you've Yeah, because when a DJ does this sort of thing and mashes it up, if they don't have permission, they just put it out there for free. Believe it or not, I've um, never been big into the DJ scene. Well, the thing is, is that when Jay-Z released the Black Album, he released it as an acapella album, he released an instrumental version, and he released the Black Album. And with each each version, like it called it, he called it a different color. Um, but when this DJ did it, he, you know, white and black together makes a gray area yeah. and he's called it the gray, era, gray album, great album. But that's 20 years old now, which is crazy to me that that's been 20 years since we got something like that. Even just like when you said 94 was 30 years ago, yep. like my brain 30 years is the seventies. <laughs> like, and when people will post the things like 30 years, think about it, it's not the seventies anymore. It's I'm like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> Um, speaking of the 70s, 1970, celebrating also 54 years, came out the day after Harvest, Sweet Baby James. Oh, James Taylor. I love James Taylor. Yep. He was one of our concerts that got canceled during the pandemic. Yes, yes. I'm so bummed, yeah. 
Uh, so we're talking Sweet Baby James, Fire and Rain, Country I've, Road. Mm-hmm. I have this. This is one of my favorite vinyls. Yeah. So this is one of my when I first got into vinyl and started buying vinyl. It was this James Taylor album with my yep. Cat Stevens and my Carol King and my Janis Joplin, and it was like all of the, those kind of singer songwriter. My Jim Croce, like. Yeah. I love this James Taylor album. And and the way it starts, man, it just starts just tamming a guitar, man. Yeah. Just sitting in your living room, just chilling, just writing some cool music, man. Good songwriter, man. James Taylor, one of the best songwriters of our time, for sure. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's on, he, he was always on another level. He was on that Bob Dylan, oh, yeah. Neil Young level of writing, writing yeah. songs, man. Just rarefied air, in my yep. opinion, when it comes to musicianship and, and songwriting ability and lyrics, so... Yeah, love that album. It's a good one. Uh, 2004, 20 years old. Uh, Incubus, uh, Crow Left of the Murder. And I feel like this is the album for this band where they took a turn. And I don't know, I don't know that after this album that there was a full album of theirs that I liked after this. This okay. was probably the last album that I liked in its entirety. Um because it just, it was different. They tried some other styles. Uh, they had the big single on there, Megalomaniac, which I, still is one yeah. of my favorite Incubus songs of all time. Um, it just, I, it's... Oh, that's just it's, ripping through my brain right now. It's got the groove. Yeah. It's got the crescendo thing you yeah. were talking about on our last podcast. It starts with that slow thing and builds into a... I wasn't talking about that on our... I wasn't talking about that on the podcast, but if you want to hear about that, you can read my blog on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> or yeah. you can read my blog, my blog from last Wednesday. You see? <laughs> I feel like I'm in a fringe episode. What universe am I in? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're in the blue one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so Crow Left of the Murder, man, uh, there's a good song on there called Southern Girl. I like that one. In My Room, I believe, was on that album as well. Another good one. They had some uh, They had some interesting styles that they went with on this album that they didn't do before, which I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, I, obviously the big song being Megalomaniac. Yeah, for I, sure. Just, I, I was, when we that saw them, when we saw them on the Make Yourself Tour, I was like, I want to hear them play Nice to Know You, and I want to hear them play Megalomaniac. And they ended with those two songs yeah. in reverse order. They ended with megalomaniac and then nice to know oh, you yeah. and i was like nice oh. to know you is i mean that's a perfect ending yeah that you know i mean yeah so that song was made to like end a show yeah so good album i highly recommend it um dirks bentley feel that fire from 2009 that is not one of my like so that was during our breakup that album came out during our when he and i were broken up <laughs> I was like, during our breakup? No, we never Wait, broke I up. I mean, but no, 10 I, hours? It came out in 10 hours? All right. All right. It came out in 10 hours. That's crazy. Zip it, Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> it was when Dirk Spentley and I were broken up. Yeah. Um, I believe that. Go ahead. Does that have um, the 51501 on it? No. No, that doesn't. That's home. That's home, yeah. But we were, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I don't believe it or not, I because I didn't get to listen to everything Dirk before we, we saw him last year. I don't know that I've heard this and album. We jammed two episodes so close together; it was impossible to listen to all of the albums. Yeah, 
I'm sure I've listened to it, but I yeah. can't think of anything off the top of my head. But it's Dirk Spentley. I mean, Dirk Spentley is good, like, hangover from a little bit of 90s honky-tonk. Yes. But he adds in some rock and blues, and, and his stuff's good. He's All another his, good yeah. songwriter. He There's a few, like, radio hits I don't like during our off period. But overall, like, before we went to see him, I went through a influx of listening to everything. So that... And like Riser, I think. And oh, Riser's good. They fell into my these aren't my absolute favorite because I think Gravel and Gold, Living, and the earlier albums that were really what got me to him were more of my favorite. But uh, all his stuff is good. And Up on the Ridge, like I, I was really into. So Riser's got the uh, Drunk on a Plane. Yeah, and that's, that's your T-shirt. Oh my god, I, yeah. I love that song. Uh, but yeah, so I. It's Dirk Bentley. Yeah. I mean, you, in my opinion, you can't go wrong. That yeah. 5150 song is not his best. It's oh, definitely gosh, like probably his worst song. 100%. But, it, but I would still take it over a lot of country music. It's not only one of his worst songs. It's one of the worst songs. Ooh, ooh. Oh, on the spot. Here we go. Worst song. 5150 by Dirk Bentley. Or. Or Why You Know Love Me by John Mayer off of Sob Rock. At least 5150 doesn't have horrific grammar. So John Mayer for the win, as always. <laughs> oh, gosh. Killing me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, last one on my list for this week is uh, the first album from a band literally after my own heart and childhood that took star wars to the next level oh, and boy. that is galactic empire he's rocking his sign of the horns emoji right now guys. oh they took john williams score note for note and put it into metal and it's instrumental just like john williams score is but it is so good like if you like the trans-siberian orchestra doing christmas music you will love galactic empire doing star wars it, it is, is very cool. epic like the drummer dresses as boba fett the bass player dresses as a stormtrooper. The one of the guitar players dresses as a Jedi. The other one dresses as Darth Vader. Like, it's, I would totally see them. Oh my gosh! I hope they tour this year. I really want to see them. I also said sign of the horns emoji. That's how <laughs> much we are tech in this stupid world. You were not. You were making the hand gesture. You were not literally <laughs> making an emoji at me from yeah. across the room. Oh my gosh. But yeah. Oh, I hate everything. So that was their first album. It's seven years old now, and that just blows my mind. Like I only found out about them like during the pandemic in twenty really? in twenty twenty is when I discovered them. Oh and my, I, I thought they outdated me. I heard me. I heard the Imperial March, and I went, I have, I got to figure out what what is this band? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like nice. oh, so good. But yeah, they do the Cantina band song off oh man it's it's so clever man so clever and good you wondered what five-year-old steven looked like (laughs) take his picture right now and you'll see it huge star wars fan i got they're cool though i enjoy them i got them on vinyl um man i love i i love everything they do it's fantastic what one of my favorite songs of theirs uh was on my top 10 list last year their their version of the mandalorian theme which if you didn't go listen to that go listen to that it's so cool they were the only exception to the all country yeah 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 they made it into the top 10 nobody else that was that wasn't 
country made it into my top 10 last yeah. year. So Galactic Empire pushing through. Man, mm-hmm. they, I love them. So, yeah, highly recommend that first album. All the songs are from Star Wars uh, Episode Four: A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. That's the original it, three. The original three. That first album is only music from those three. Yeah. And, it, man, it's so good. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's my album anniversaries. What nice. else we got, babe? I think we're just going to do some movies. We oh. ran, we watched some random movies. Some of them are movie night movies, but we had a little tally of movies going. We thought we'd give you some of our, if we can just say, reviews on. All right. What's what? What's up first for the first? For the folks? I as a movie I had never seen. It's a classic Coen Brothers film from 1996. Yep. That I really had missed out on by not seeing, if I can say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And it's called Fargo. <laughs> yeah. This movie was fantastic. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was great. And it's funny, too, because even at the end, there's still, like, so much storyline that you don't know. Like, what was Jerry in trouble for? What did he need money for? How much money did he actually need? Because there was such a discrepancy with how much he was getting. So much funny stuff, but... As ever, I'm sure everyone knows by now what Fargo is about a car salesman who is um, sort of in trouble in some way and needs money and tries to stage a kidnapping of his wife so his um, wealthy father-in-law will pay the ransom and he can have the money to do whatever. But he's bumbling and <laughs> he's played by um, uh, William H. Macy and Francis McDormand is the police uh, detective in it yep. Steve Buscemi's in it um, there's tons of people in this movie that you would know like it's hilarious it's yeah, great there's uh, very like dry very just like oh my god what's going on Steve Buscemi is fantastic he's absolutely fantastic it's one of his best roles like he's got he's got several good roles um, but this is this is one of his top roles oh, this he's is great. so good in this man yeah. just the way, like, oh man, when he get when he gets shot in the face, and the rest of the movie, like he's holding his mouth and he's like, like he, the way he just like yells and like, it, like it's so it's so funny to me. Like his his face is so good. But uh, Frances McDormand is brilliant. I this. highly recommend it. Like, Love her. Definitely watch it. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah, very great. Times. And they have a series now, like an anthology series on FX. I think it's in its like fourth season. I think. I think it's further than that Or maybe that the now. fifth. I think the first couple seasons might go together, and then the rest are individual. But I have not watched it. I'd like to. And yep. that's why I wanted to watch the movie first. It's not It's not related, but I just wanted to, chronological reasons. Yep. But I have heard that the show is really good. I know my brother watches it, and he likes it. And I've heard for some other people that it's good. So something I want to watch. But this movie is great. I've always wanted to watch it, and I never have. So The, the, the Coen Brothers movies that I've seen, they don't miss, man. Those guys are good. They make good stuff. And obviously, they made The Big Kabowski, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan. But Burn After Reading was good. Um, oh, Brother, We're Out There was good. But but Fargo Fargo is probably my second favorite movie of theirs, for sure. And we watched it on Max. I know it streams there. I don't think it streams anywhere else, but that's where we watched it. All right. What you got? Cool. What's next? Next, we have Extraction 2, which <laughs> I think, like, all set there. We don't need a third. I mean, I'm sure they're going to make a third because everything's done in trilogies these days. But my only my complaint with this movie was the end scene in Extraction One didn't fit anywhere in Extraction Two. It made no sense. 
Yeah, it didn't really... It, it made absolutely no really sense work. because in the end scene of Extraction 1, he's fine and standing there by the pool. And in the end scene, in the beginning of Extraction 2, he'd been, like, shot and he was in the hospital for months and doing, like, rehab. And you're like, how does this fit in? Like, they they're, that end, like, credit end scene... Didn't even make sense. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's like they disregarded that scene completely. And or what happened in movie two took place before he went back to that pool or something. Like it it just didn't it didn't. We gave didn't them the benefit well. of the doubt of thinking that was the case, but it wasn't the case because when you saw her kill that guy's dad, we were able to see where the timeline was, and that didn't make sense either. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. So anyway. Great movie, though. I enjoyed I think it. great is an overstatement. It uh, was fine for what it was. It was no Statham film. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, but Chris Hemsworth, I, I think he can carry a movie well. He does action well. Um, you know, he's he's got moments where he's funny and it and it works for his for the characters that he plays. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I liked him in this movie. I, I, I'm not going to be mad if they make a third one, but I'm not going to be like, oh, my gosh, I got to see it immediately. Obviously, we took a long time to see this movie, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'll take it. It's it's also kind of like an original idea sort of thing. So we we don't get a lot of that these days. It, it feels like we get a lot of repeats of other things, and I like the fact that we kind of have another series of movies that are its own thing. So would you give it a like? I guess we didn't do like Fargo's two thumbs up. Fargo's two thumbs up. Do you give Extraction two a thumbs up? I'll give it. I'll give it at least you know one thumbs up. Let me just say, per IMDb, Extraction 3 is in production. I'm not surprised. Um, or in development. Um, I would I would not give Extraction 2 a thumbs up. Whoa. I thought it was sloppy. I thought it was sloppy. I thought it was all over the place, and I thought it was sloppy. I was just along for the ride. And I can do that. Like, but you can't, like, you you have to at least give me a bridge from the first movie to the second movie that makes sense. You can't just, if you want me to suspend my belief, at least give me like a plot that actually linearly makes sense. Like I, it just, I was like, what do you even, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. What's next up on your list? Okay. I guess I'm introing all of them. All right, well, then I'll take this one. It's The Holdovers. Yes, it is. With Paul B- Giamatti, uh, Divine Joy uh, Randolph, and uh, Carrie Preston, which, man, she's great when she gets little bit parts. I like it. And uh, I can't say this other guy's name, his last name anyways, uh, Dominic Sessa. I would say Sessa, maybe. Sessa. This was his first role, and so introducing Dominic Sessa. Yeah, uh, he was great. He yeah. was fantastic. Like, I, I was like, man, I... I wonder what else he's been in. Nothing. Yep. This movie just came out in 23, <laughs> yep. towards the end of the year. Yeah. It's it's kind of, it, it's set around Christmas, and it's basically um, this kid who doesn't go home for Christmas. And so he's one of the holdovers, and Paul Giamatti is the professor that gets stuck with the holdovers. And Paul it's Gia- at a prep school in about 1970. Yeah, and Paul Giamatti is fantastic. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph plays Mary Lamb, the, the the head cook of of the prep school, and she's fantastic, man. Like the chemistry between those three was great. They were they they picked three people that played very well off of one another. They took the dialogue that was given them and 
turned it into amazing. Like yeah. it, it, it was amazing scenes with them together. But I think I, I think that Paul Giamatti is extremely underrated, in my opinion. Yeah, he was great. I think they were they were all great. Um, both he, Paul Giamatti, and Divine Joy Randolph both won. I believe they both won Emmys, and I think she won a Golden Globe as well, if not both of them. Okay. Um, for the movie, but it was good. I mean, it was it was really good. It was a it was one of those, you know, he's like a cantankerous professor stuck with this kid, and she's experienced some trauma and loss, and just sort of like these three broken people coming together and sort of figuring out how to do life again yeah you know and it was it was was really cool yeah it it was really cool i i I liked it i liked um you know the story is set over just a handful of days and uh and but it didn't feel like it was a slow-paced movie they kept it kept it moving um i think the fun part for me though is seeing paul giamatti do different stuff like he played a gag throughout the entire filming in which his one of his eyes is like a lazy eye yeah but i guess he kept switching the contact throughout filming to where it was in his left eye for one time and then it was in his right eye for one time and there's like a there's like a running joke between like the students like they don't know which eye they're supposed to look at or whatever and and like legitimately Dominic didn't know which eye he's supposed to look yeah. at because Paul Giamatti kept switching it on him, which is hilarious. He did like the eye thing overall as a joke. And like that wasn't even planned in the script. Like they did it as a joke on like Dominic as like in his first acting role, like as a joke on him. And then Paul Giamatti kept switching it throughout the movie. So as a viewer, you're looking at it. And I'm, Stephen at one point was like, he's got to have a contact in one eye. And I'm like, yeah, it's got to be that eye. And then I was like, wait, well, he was looking at himself in the mirror. Is it the other eye? And I'm like, I feel like it's switching. And then as I'm reading the trivia, it was like, yeah, they were just switching. Like, it was not like it was for the character, the character doing it. It was just like a funny thing that they did on set. And I'm like, I just like that. Like, it's just, it's a cool. Yeah. I, I feel like it's kind of gives you like a vibe of what, the set was like and that it had to be like a fun filming experience that everyone everyone really talked about that that is how it was so i feel like that gives you another thing to like about the movie that you already like yeah i also like the fact that there was no there's no props there's no crazy stunts or anything like that it's all built on dialogue story and relationships and it's it's great it's good it's nice to see movies like that that it isn't all just cgi and all i mean i like those movies too there's a place for all of it but it's nice to see these movies too that are dialogue based and character driven and you know storytelling i like that speaking of uh that kind of storytelling that is based on characters and dialogue and having to pay attention to what's being said and make the decision yourself leave the world behind yes this is a netflix movie and i i honestly don't know what to think about this movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I went in going, I don't know what this movie is. I know it's Julia Roberts. I know it's Maher Shala Ali. I can never say his name right, so I hope I got that right. And Ethan Hawke. And then uh, 
Mahala. That's the only name I have for the other girl. They were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant on screen. First of all, Julia Roberts is an icon. Like, she's amazing. She can do anything in the world. Ethan Hawke, he's proven. Uh, Ali, he's got an Oscar. Like, these, these actors know what they're doing and very good at it. And they took something of which... It's a story where you got to do some thinking for yourself. You have to think of whether or not, would I trust that person? Well, I think when you said I went into it not knowing what it was, I mean, I was halfway through it not knowing what it was. Because yep. it's about a family that goes to an Airbnb to get away for the weekend, this like nice, luxurious Airbnb, during which there is some sort of cyber attack that happens on the country, on the world, and these two strangers show up knocking at their door, kind of telling them this story. And is it like, are they liars coming to do something nefarious to you? Should you let them in to all work together to help each other? What is the end game here? What's really going on? And it is just goes from there on like what's really happening in the world. How yep. do you even know if it's a cyber attack? Like, how do you know what's going on when you've, if you've got no internet, no anything, how do you even know how to get information? Yeah. Do we even know how to do that anymore? How how would we even get it? Yeah, it's it, man, it's one of those things that like it drew me in real quick. I don't know and how I, I like, fully feel about it, but I do recommend it. Yeah. I will give it a thumbs up because I think it's an interesting commentary and it's an interesting watch. It's an interesting commentary on the world and technology and on people and behaviors. Um, on this movie and the holdovers, uh, just due to dialogue and the relationship aspect of the movies, uh, I give them both two thumbs up. 100%. I like, agree. I recommend both. Le Leave the World Behind was my pick for a Sunday night movie pick. And, I, man, I... I, yeah. When it was over, you were like, I don't know how I feel. And I was like, that was amazing. Well, when it was over, too, I was like, wait, that's the end? Because it has one of those endings where you're like... Wait a minute, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. That's the end? Yeah. But then also, on the flip side, you're like, well, how the heck else is it going to end? Because I guess it could just keep going on forever at this rate. Like, yeah. In hindsight, I'm like, well, I don't know how else this would end. Yeah. And then it makes you think like, in honestly, in real reality, that that could happen to us. It could. If we were cyber attacked, we would be halted. Yep. So. You know, the interesting thing, though, while I was watching this movie is I thought to myself, you know, Julia Roberts has been around for a really long time. Is there anything that she can't do? I don't think there is. I don't think there's anything that that woman can't do. She is by far, I think the like. I don't think one I've of ever. The, I I would put her in probably one of the best actresses that we've ever had in my generation of living. In my forty three years of living, I don't I, I don't think that I could have a conversation about talking about the best actresses ever to exist without mentioning Julie Roberts. I don't think I've ever seen her in an action movie. Um, but we can talk about that later when we do our Mount Rushmore. Oh, we should for, do it. We should do a Mount Rushmore on, Ju on Julia Roberts. Oh, I love her, man. She's fantastic. I'll, I'll watch her this, in anything. I'll take this next movie. Okay. 
It stars one of my favorite bald-headed gentlemen's. We're going to do a Mount Rushmore on him, too. Oh, my gosh. I can't. <laughs> How many Mount Rushmores can I pick? Uh, only four. That's all that's on Mount oh, Rushmore. One Mr. Jason Statham. What's the movie called? Safe. Yeah. It's playing words there, people. This is a classic Statham movie, and I feel like we may have mentioned this, but I don't know because it was still on my list, so bear with us if we have. Thumbs up, obviously. Yep. It's a Statham movie, so we're not winning any awards here. It is what it is. He's a down-on-his-luck ex-cop slash homeless person (laughs) who... um, is you know living this rough and tumble life until he stumbles upon some young girl that's in trouble and then you know he springs into action-packed world to save her and stumbles upon some big corrupt situation that ties back into his old copper days and statham style saves the day not a spoiler (laughs) just an obvious and i think that's a pretty good summary yeah. of the movie uh also has anson mount in it oh yeah captain uh, pike for all of you star wars fan star trek whoopsies whoa. i mean they both have star in it is there another shape or some whoa. kind of constellation or something i'm telling you our listeners right now that are straight up star wars fans and are straight up the star trek fans they're both offended by the fact you said that get over it y'all <laughs> Uh, uh, also, uh, Chris Sarandon's in it and I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. So I thought that was, uh, interesting to see you'll him also, he used to be around a lot. You'll also know Robert John Burke and James Hong as well as oh, being yeah. in tons of things. Yeah. James Hong's been in, oh my gosh, he's been around for a long time. He's been in tons of stuff. Yeah. So yes, it's, I mean, it's a good movie. It is what it is. Yeah. State but them. it's it, it's a movie in which you put it you, you pop your popcorn you put it on yep. you sit down and you watch and you just enjoy the ride exactly so yep all right so we got one final movie that was recommended to uh jess by kelly well i would say kelly wa- kelly said it was something man and i think she just wanted me to see it because she saw it and i don't think she loved it if if that if I had known that that was the recommendation, I would have told you to watch this movie on your own. It was my Sunday night Cause, movie pick. Because that is not a, that is not like a resounding like, yeah, watch this movie. So two, two, a couple things about this movie. I had never really heard much about it. I had seen little things here and there. Kelly sent me something about it. Steven sent me something about it. I had then started seeing stuff on the internet about it. I didn't want to know anything about it. I just wanted to go into it. I'm I'm trying to watch more things that are less mainstream. This movie is called Saltburn. For those of you that haven't seen Saltburn, buckle up. It's overrated. But if you want to check it out, go for it. So if you look at the poster quickly and you don't want to see a lot of things... We're not going to really spoil it much, but if you're like super like into watching this movie, I guess you could drop off now and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But if you look at the poster, you see what you think is Christopher Walken quickly, and it's not. So for those of you that think he's in it, he's not. It's very disappointed, but also good call Walken. So <laughs> this movie... I'm looking at the poster. I don't even see what you would, could possibly think is Christopher Walken. It's not Christopher I Walken. I know, but I just glanced at that eccentric-looking hair, it's, it's and Richard I thought e. it Grant. was him. I know. 
So anyway, it's about this guy who meets a popular, this like, I guess, less than popular guy who meets a popular kid in Oxford in the 80s, I believe it is. Something like that. And he takes him home to his family's country estate, Saltburn, for summer vacation because he has no family. His dad died, supposedly, and all this stuff. And his family is rich and eccentric and weird as F. And this kid is also weird. And all this weird stuff happens while they're there. And first of all, I'm all for like art house films and all kinds of like different things. But literally nothing happens in this movie for 45 minutes. Nothing. The first 45. Yeah, it's there's literally. Nothing. And for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I'm trying here, but I feel like I'm stuck in one of those boring Wes Anderson movies that apparently I'm not cultured enough to fully appreciate. And I'm like, nothing is happening for 45 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Finally, you know, he gets to salt burn and some things start happening that are very weird. And it's just like a bunch. It's a commentary on psychology. And this guy's kind of a little bit of a psychopath and on elitism and money and all of this stuff. And I'm just like. I wanted to like this movie. There are so many elements from a psychology point of view of things that I would really like and I could like, but at the end of the day, I just feel like it was terrible and people are raving about the cinematography was so great and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, that's all well and good. But if your story and your plot are not doing it, who cares about the cinematography though? I will say the star of the movie, Barry Kogan was fantastic. That is the only redeeming factor of the movie. That would be the only thing that would give have me give it a star is Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan is fantastic. I think um, I, I, I think that he is going to be one of those actors that's going to be start to get noticed after this role, and he's going to pretty soon be able to pick what he wants to do. He's a good actor. The problem for me was. I didn't like the story. I thought that, unfortunately, she mentioned the rich family. I thought everyone was stereotypical. They were. Um, we've, I even, seen it, we've seen that a million times. I thought that Barry Kogan's character was stereotypical. That was a problem for me as well. Although his acting shined over that, it's still uh, under, lying underneath was the fact that he was still playing a typical character. It's just he was playing it a little bit different. Um, she mentioned the aspect of the art house films. Now, I... I we are 96 episodes into this podcast. I don't like to spend time talking about stuff that I don't like or that I wouldn't recommend. And I wouldn't recommend Saltburn because no. I did not like the movie. If I could give it more than two thumbs down, I would get a, give it every thumb down. I'll give you one of mine. Um, but my problem is a very simple problem. We have Marvel movies, DC movies, superhero movies, and... Tom Cruise movies on one side that are action and all this, you know, CGI or or in the way of like something like Mad Max that's practical effects. But still, we have these big budget movies that are action movies and sci-fi on one side. On the other side, we have these films that are like Saltburn that are extremely over the top art house films trying way too hard. And there's nothing in the middle. The only thing you might find in the middle is something like the holdovers. 
The Holdovers is something that falls into the middle that is a legit art house film. Yeah. Saltburn, to me, from the moment the movie started, I went, oh, boy, they're trying to go for awards. It's, Immediately, they're trying to go for awards. It's completely overrated. And I feel like people like stuff based on the fact that it is overrated. People look at the surface of stuff. People don't like this purse because they like the purse. They like it because it has a Prada label. People yep. don't like this movie because the content is so great. They like it because they're supposed to like it. Because the elitists and all of the rich people tell them they're supposed to like it. So I'm on TV Time. I've mentioned that before on this podcast, the app TV Time to, to follow when movies and TV shows are coming out and stuff like that. And I looked at the comments on this movie. And I scrolled for probably about 100 comments, which there's like 3,000 comments on this movie. So I scrolled for about 100 comments. And out of the 100 comments, 90% of them were about uh, the character Felix and how good he looked and how cute he is. And I, and I was like, that's not a reason to like this movie. No, but that's all people care about. That's all people care about. They were, that's where it was, we're at as a society. It was either how good he looks or how good Roseman Pike looked or how good Barry Cogan looked or how creepy Barry, uh, Barry Cogan was. And sometimes he was creepy, and that's something legit to talk about. But how cute somebody is, I'm sorry. I don't care what the cinematography is. I don't care how good-looking the ad- actor or actress are. I want a good story. I want something. If you're going to do an art house film, don't give me something that's so over the top well, that so I am so too. bored. I was bored. 47 minutes in, we paused it, and I said, Kelly recommended this? Yeah. What did she say about it? Well, see, going back to like, cinematography, what? like for me, there has to be substance because I liked the cinematography of the holdovers. I liked the way the holdovers was filmed and I thought the cinematography was really good, but they started with a base layer of a really good plot, a really good story. So you can, you've got to start there for me and then I can start looking at the soundtrack, which was really good in the holdovers and the cinematography and the costume design and the set design and all of that. Yeah. And, and that kind of stuff for Saltburn might've been good. It was good. The cinematography was great, but I just didn't like the story or the plot. It wasn't well done. It was completely overshadowed by that stuff. And I will say Kelly recommended for us to watch Annihilation. And that was a great movie. So it's not like Kelly has bad recommendations. So when you said Kelly recommended this, I was like, okay, cool. But then you told me later on that, what was her quote? It's, there was really it's no something. quote, but I cannot wait till the te- to get the text I get after she hears this. Because you're... This is not Kelly's fault. I mean, and I'm sure people liked Saltburn. And for those of but you he, who did, bully for you. Like, I'm glad you did. Enjoy it. It's just for me, I just, I feel like it's completely overrated in my opinion. I would not recommend this movie by this director. I would recommend Promising Young Woman. Yeah, that's like disappointed because I'm like, I really enjoyed Promising Young Woman. Yeah. So it, I was like, oh, you know, another movie by this director. And this, I just feel like. It, if you want to watch something that's written and directed by Emerald Fennel or Fennel, watch Promising Young Woman. Watch I, Barbie. She's in. She's she's uh, Midge in Barbie. Watch her. Watch her be an actress in Barbie. Don't watch Saltburn. Don't waste your time. I just also feel like there were some psychologically his character. There were aspects and things he did, and a lot of the storyline. Once we finally got into it, that are things I would like. 
but I was already so bored after 45 minutes of nothing that even though, and it was like two hours and 11 minutes. So to have 45 minutes of like nothing happening in a two hour and 11 minute movie, it doesn't matter for me that that rest of that stuff is stuff I'd be interested in because you've already lost me. I'm already like, ugh, what are we doing here? Yeah, if, so, it, I, I would agree with that. If I'm 47 minutes in and I and nothing has happened and I'm yeah. bored, I don't care what the cinematography yeah. looks like. I don't care. So that's our opinion. Some up, some yep. down. Those yep. are our, if we can just say, movie reviews. Let us know what you think. And if you've gotten a movie that you've seen recently, a newer movie even, maybe that we don't know about, let us know. We'll watch it. Um, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, WordPress, Tumblr. If we can just say 918 at gmail.com. Like, listen, subscribe. Tell your friends. I don't know what day, time, year it is, but after this episode, we'll get back on track and I'll be able to know what's going on past, present, and future. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. <laughs> I believe that's all we can say this week. Bye, y'all.